I wanted to share a story with you that I heard, I heard it this past week, but it happened two years ago, so you may have already heard this story, uh, but there was a lady named Wanda, and Wanda was sending out a text message to her family about Thanksgiving and inviting all of her grandkids to be there. Uh, unfortunately, she got one of the numbers wrong, or maybe her grandson changed his number. I don't really know what happened, but anyway, she texted a random young man named Jamal. Now, Jamal receives this text message from somebody he doesn't know in this group text message, Uh, But here's what Wanda said. She said, Thanksgiving dinner is at my house on November 24th at 3 p.m. Let me know if you're coming. Hope to see you all. Of course, that includes Amanda and Justin. Now, Jamal has no idea who any of these people are because he wasn't supposed to be on that text message. And so he replies back, who is those? And Wanda says, she's confused because she thinks that this is her grandson replying back. She says, your grandma, and then leaves a little grandma emoji. And Jamal says, grandma, can I have a picture And Wanda says, of who? Jamal says, you, LOL. So Wanda sends a picture, and she says, yes, here I'm at work. And then Jamal sends a picture of himself. (laughs) And he said, you not my grandma. And she said, but then he texts this, and I love it. He says, can I still get a plate, though? (laughs) Wanda says this, of course you can. That's what grandmas do. Feed everyone. Cake emoji. Now, Jamal apparently screenshotted this and texted it, and it kind of went viral on, or tweeted it, kind of went viral on Twitter two years ago. Jamal ended up going over to Wanda's house for Thanksgiving dinner and built a relationship with the family. In fact, he said that she kind of became an adopted grandmother. And two years ago, she said, you're always welcome here for Thanksgiving dinner. And he came back a year ago, and I just found out this morning that this past week, he came back and had Thanksgiving dinner again. I thought, not only was that a cool Thanksgiving story, but what a great illustration of what we've been talking about this month, about being called, invited by God. You see, God sent out a message, an invitation, not by accident, but very much on purpose, to every single person. And it was no accident that you heard and received that message to come and have dinner with him, to be a part of the banquet table, but more than that, to be a full-fledged member of his family. So when we say we are called by God, that's what we're saying, is that Jesus had said, come, follow me, be a part of this family. Not only be a part of this family, but Be a part of what I'm doing in the world. Be a part of this life. And what I hope that we've been wrestling with the last few weeks, and I really hope that just because this series ends today, I hope that you don't stop wrestling with this idea of our calling. What does it mean to be called by God, to be a people who are called, invited by God to be a part of something epic, something spectacular, something mind-blowing. What does that mean? And, And just as importantly, what are we supposed to do about that invitation? What are we supposed to do about our calling? Our text this morning that was just read for, for us, 2 Peter chapter 1, and you've probably read this text before, and you've probably, you probably love this, this passage. I know I do, but I know also that I never really stop to go through it 
word by word, making sure that I didn't really miss anything. So that's what I want to do this morning. I want to go through this and talk about how it will absolutely change our life if we'll listen to these words. So Peter says this. He says, his divine power, and I think in context, verse 2, he's talking about Jesus. His divine power, so Jesus' God power, has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Now, most commentators think that the way Peter tends to word things when he pairs words together like that, life and godliness, that they go together as a pair. In other words, something like a godly life. His divine power, Jesus' divine power, has granted to us all things that pertain to living a godly life. Life through the knowledge of him. It's a lot of words. What does that mean? It means that by knowing Jesus, through knowing Jesus, we are empowered with everything that pertains to living a godly life. That's good news, isn't it? It's good news to know that through knowing Jesus, you come to be empowered to live a godly life life. You are given the power of Jesus to live a godly life. Everything that pertains to living a godly life is yours through the knowledge of him. Through knowing him, you come to have everything you need to live a godly life. That means your pursuit to be a better wife or a better husband, or a better neighbor, or a better coworker, or a better friend, or a better classmate, or a better son, or daughter, or mother, or father. Your pursuit to be better, to be more godly, to live a godly life, that power to be better comes through knowing Jesus. And the more you come to know him, the greater you will be empowered to be what you want to be, to be who you're being called to be. His divine power has granted to us everything that pertains to life and godliness through the knowledge of him, him who, him who, there's already so much right there, but who called us to, or some translations may say by He called us to his own glory and excellence. He called us by his own glory and excellence. You know what that means? That means you're not here because of my preaching, and I know that. You're not here, as good as the singing is, you're not here because of the singing is so great. As great as the relationships are here. That's not why you got up early on a Sunday morning and, and after Thanksgiving turkey and pie and a late A&M game. That's, that's not why you're here. It's just because these people are so wonderful, as wonderful as they are, as beautiful as this room is. The building didn't call you. I didn't call you. We didn't call you. That's not what drew you here this morning, and that's not why you follow Jesus. You follow Jesus because of Jesus, it was his glory and excellence that called you. It was to his glory and excellence 
that you have been drawn. You follow Jesus because of Jesus. You are a disciple, not because of who you are, not because you're excellent, you're great, you're wonderful, but you're not a follower of Jesus because of your excellence. You're a follower of Jesus because of his excellence. You're a follower of Jesus not because of who you are, but because of who he is. His divine power has given us everything we need to live a godly life through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Jesus showed up. And he showed us how glorious and how excellent he is. And he said to you and to me and to all humanity, come, follow me. And you saw him and you said he is glorious and he is excellent. And wherever he is, I want to be also. I want to go where he goes. I want to be where he is. That's what it is to be a disciple of Jesus, is to be drawn by his glory and excellence. And I'll say kind of as a side note, if you're concerned about evangelism and reaching out to people as I am and bringing people to Jesus, that the only the only one who can make Jesus followers is, is Jesus. I mean, we can't entertain people into following Jesus. We can't program people into following Jesus. We can't even argue people into following Jesus. We must allow the glory and excellence of Jesus to call people to himself. That's what it is to be a follower of Jesus, is to be someone who is called to and by his glory and excellence. Now look at the next verse. He says, by which, by his glory and excellence, by his glory and excellence, he has granted to us his what? His precious and very great promises. See, you don't have the promises of God, the precious and very great promises. You haven't come to be in possession of these promises because of your excellence, but because of his. You haven't come to be in possession of these promises because of who you are, but because of who Jesus is. By his glory and excellence, he's granted to us his precious and very great promises so that, I like that, so that in order for what to happen, Through them, through these promises, you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Jesus showing up, showing himself for who he is, helping you to escape the corruption that's in the world through sinful desire and adopting you into his family. Him showing up and inviting you and saying, come, follow me, be a part of the family of God. You becoming a part of the family of God, you've already begun to bear a family resemblance. You've already begun to be partakers through the precious and very great promises of God. You've already begun to be a participant, a partaker, in the divine nature. You've begun to think a little bit more like God, look a little bit more like God, and act a little bit more like God. Why? Because you've escaped the corruption that's in the world because of sinful desires. 
Because through knowing Jesus, he has granted to you everything that pertains to life and godliness. Through knowing him, you've already begun to be a partaker in the divine nature. You've already begun to bear a family resemblance to the divine family into which you've been adopted. Now, look at verse 5. He says, for this very reason, for what very reason? Because you've come to know Jesus. Because you've been empowered with everything you need to live a godly life through knowing him. Because you've escaped the corruption that's in the world because of sinful desires. Because you've come to partake in the divine nature because of all of these things. Make every effort to supplement your faith You have faith. You believe in Jesus. You're drawn and called to his glory and excellence. So supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. Now, nothing could be further from the truth than to read this and to think that Peter is saying that if you practice these things, and if you live this way, and if you're virtuous and self-controlled and steadfast, then maybe you can earn a spot in God's family. Maybe you can earn your salvation. Nothing could be further from the truth. Peter is saying, because of who Jesus is, because of his glory and excellence, because by his glory and excellence, he's called you to himself. He's delivered you from the corruption that's in the world. He's empowered you with everything you need for life and godliness. Because of who he is, become this kind of a person. Add to your faith virtue, to your virtue knowledge, knowledge, self-control, brotherly love and kindness. Doesn't, Doesn't it make you want to be that kind of a person? When you see Jesus for who he is, When you read the gospel accounts, when I read the gospel accounts and I read who Jesus is and I look at him in all of his glory and excellence, I think, I want to know more. I want to love better. I want to be more self-controlled. I want to be the person that Jesus is calling me to be. Being invited to the wedding banquet makes you want to put on wedding clothes, doesn't it? Being invited to this family, to this lifestyle, to this glorious and excellent one makes you want to be different. And he empowers you to do just that. By his, by his divine power, he's granted to us everything that pertains to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us. So he says, verse 8, for if these qualities are yours, and are increasing, you're growing in these things. They keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So there's kind of the positive side and negative side of that, isn't there? Ineffective and unfruitful. On the other hand, there would be effective and fruitful, right? He says, listen, if you know who Jesus is, if he's called you, if you believe in him, and then you don't become this kind of a person, if this doesn't lead you to add to your faith virtue and to your virtue knowledge and to your knowledge self-control, if you don't become a more loving person from having known Jesus, then what good did it do you to know Jesus? 
What good has it done in your life? I was thinking, you know, this is the time of year we think about being generous to people. What if you, what if you knew somebody that was just incredibly poor, struggling so much financially? I mean, maybe they're out on the street. They don't have food to eat. They don't have clothes to wear. They don't have a roof over their head. And, and you happen to have $10,000. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? $10,000 to give them. And you decide, you know what? I want to help them. I love them. I want to bless them until you write them a check for $10,000. You tear it, tear it out of your checkbook. You put it in their hands and they never cash it. What good did it do them to have access to all of that and still be hungry? What good did it do them to have access to all of that and still not have a roof over their head? And Peter asks us, if you aren't growing in these areas, what good is your knowledge of Jesus? Your knowledge of Jesus ought to lead you to add to your faith virtue and to your virtue knowledge and to your knowledge self-control and on and on. Verse 9, For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he's blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. I was thinking about somebody maybe that's in prison. And and imagine, if you will, the front of this stage being a a prison wall. There's a guy on the other side, and he's been there for 30 or 40 years, and he just has his hands on the wall, and he's just thinking, it's just miserable that I'm stuck here and I can't go where I want to go and do what I want to do. I can't be free because of this wall. This wall is in my way and I'm, I'm trapped because of this wall. And then suddenly, because of a power outside of himself, he finds himself on this side of the wall. But his hands are still here on the wall. And even though he's free, he, he has his hands on this side of the wall and he's still thinking, I can't do what I want to do or go where I want to go because of this wall. Don't you realize you're on the other side? You're free now. You're not trapped because of that wall. And how many of us spend our life shackled to sins that have already been taken away? How many of us don't go where we need to go and do what we need to do and be who we need to be and be who we're called to be because we're still shackled to sins that Jesus forgave? They keep us trapped, don't they? We still spend our life in shame and guilt and we say, I can't do that or go there or be this because I did these things. Stop. Stop being nearsighted and blind so as to forget that you've been cleansed from your former sins. Those things have no hold on you anymore. Be free. Go and be who God is calling you to be. Verse 10. This is where I really want to get to. Verses 10 and 11. He says this, therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to, listen to this word, confirm your calling and election. Let your lifestyle prove that you are, really are a part of God's people. That you, you really have come to know the one through whose power you have everything that pertains to life And godliness. Confirm that by the way that you live. Be diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. Implying, of course, that if you don't practice these qualities, you will fall. 
For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So again, going back to those qualities in verses 5 through 7, he says, by practicing these, th- these, these things, three things happen. You confirm your calling and election. You prove that you really do know Jesus. You prove that his power is making a difference in your life. Two, you will never fall. And three, you have richly provided for you entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So let's kind of sum up these verses here. Let's kind of run through. Jesus' glory and excellence. Because it's not that you practice these things and you'll earn a spot. Do these things and you'll deserve to be with Jesus. That's not how it works. It's the glory and excellence of Jesus who's calling you. And what is he calling you to? What is he inviting you to? Because it's as good as an invitation to Thanksgiving dinner is, that's good. <laughs> Turkey and pie, I mean, that's great. But what he's inviting to you to is this. He's inviting you to know him, number one. He's inviting you to receive from him divine power, to live a godly life. He's inviting you to receive his precious and very great promises. He's calling you to become partakers of the divine nature. He's calling you to be cleansed from your former sins. And he's calling you to be given entrance into the eternal kingdom. That's the invitation that his glory and excellence is calling you to. Jesus is showing us who he is and saying, come, follow me. Be a part of what I'm doing in the world. And the question is, how do we respond to that invitation? And what Peter says here is, we live in a way that confirms our calling. So what if we said that? What if we got out of bed tomorrow morning And as we put our feet on the floor, we said, I will live in a way that confirms my calling. I will live in a way that is a response to what Jesus has done for me. I will live in a way that embraces his divine power that has given to me, to us, all things that pertain to life and godliness through a knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. I will live in a way that confirms I really am a part of the people of Jesus. I will live my life in a way that confirms the power to live a godly life is at work within me. You say, Wes, how can I do that? That's hard. Yes, but it's his power. His power that gives us everything that pertains to life and godliness is at work within you. And he's calling you to have faith and to add to your faith virtue, to your virtue knowledge. Practice these qualities. Confirm your calling so that you will never fall and so that it will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.
And maybe there's somebody here this morning. We, we had somebody after first service who decided it was her time. Her name is Crystal, and she's your new sister in Christ. And she decided she wanted what Jesus has to offer. His glory and excellence has called Crystal to himself. And maybe there's someone else this morning that's ready to respond to that invitation. It's not my invitation. It's not the invitation of this congregation. It's the invitation of Jesus. And he wants to give you all of these great and very precious promises. And if you haven't responded to that by being buried with Jesus in baptism, or maybe you've just wandered away, and it's time to come home. He is calling you by his own glory and excellence. What will you do with his call? Maybe you need prayers or encouragement. Go, let our shepherds pray with you after service, or right now, come forward as we stand and sing.